bed and breakfasts are known for, you know, being really comfortable and they have, you know, nice comforters and fluffy pillows and that's what we're competing with. So gone are the days of, you know, someone walks in and they just have empty mattresses and you have to bring all your own bedding and everything. Um, those days are long gone. Welcome to the Superhost Unveiled podcast, where a small family created a thriving vacation rental business in the heart of the White Mountains. Founded by husband and wife duo Peter and Julia Plord, with the help of their business-savvy daughter Hannah, Peter was able to leave his full-time job and move him and his wife to their dream location. Together, we'll discuss the secrets of building a successful vacation rental business and beyond. Pack your bags, let's check in for the journey of your life. Here are your super hosts, Hannah and Peter Plord. I've got a question for you. What story does your home tell your guests? Hi, my name is Hannah. And I'm Peter. And we're joined by Julia again. Hi. Um, And we're talking all about creating a cohesive decor and look for your home so that your guests feel like they're in a story. Yes. And unlike uh, the first home we purchased up here, which came fully furnished, you know, we're in the process of redoing the basement, which has been a year long project because we got busy and, uh, you know, we had to decorate a little bit and clean it up a little bit. But the second house that we purchased up here was a complete blank slate, no furniture. Uh, we'll get into like how bad the paint was, but, um, we had to, we had to like start from scratch. So we thought it'd be great to share Julia's story behind doing that, her vision for it and how she transformed it into a property that's uh, really a place where people come to create unbelievable experiences. And I think we're on 50 straight five-star reviews and we've had people call us and say, where did you, what kind of mattresses did you buy? Cause I want to buy them for my own house. You know, that, that kind of thing. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to pick Julia's brain on how she did it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So house number two, mom, what was your vision? Um, well, it's in the mountains. It's literally, you drive probably halfway up the side of a mountain. So it's kind of nestled in the mountains. It has really nice views um, of the mountains. Um, and it is a chalet style house. So that gave me most of my inspiration was just in keeping with the style of the house. So um, I went basically with a Nordic theme kind of where they do really simple colors. So everything is basically gray or navy blue um, because they keep their colors really simple and they keep their furnishing pretty simple. And then they just add warm textures where they can to kind of warm it up. So that's, I really like that kind of simplicity. And plus, if you are having strangers come into your house, you don't want a lot of knickknacks and a lot of stuff cluttering the area. You just kind of want to have a nice, simple backdrop. Yeah, I like that. So what would you recommend to someone that's maybe remodeling the house they already have to be a uh, vacation rental and they already have furniture and everything. What would you do in that case? Um, I would edit what you have. Um, So if you have a lot of stuff everywhere, um, I would maybe edit things down to just a few items here and there. Um, I would make sure that you know, your couches are in good shape. You don't want to rent your house to somebody and have stains on your couch because they're probably not going to want to sit or, you know, lay down and watch a movie on that stained couch. Um, so I would just look at what you have. And if what you have is is clean and it's in good shape, um, I would keep that furniture, but I would make sure you don't have a lot of trinkets. Like the coffee table should be pretty much empty. Um, there can be obviously lots of artwork on the walls, but like your surfaces need to be almost empty 
for them to come in with their stuff because they're going to come in with their suitcases and their purses and all their stuff and they're going to dump it on your table so mm-hmm. you want to <clears throat> you want to make it pretty like you want to make it homey and comfortable but not cluttered but should I just take all my stuff out of there except for the furniture and, you know, just have a completely blank house? No, because like I said, you want it to feel homey. Um, ho- hotel rooms, as you know, all have, they all have the required, you know, artwork on the walls and the end table with the lamp on it. But you know, that's really generic. Yeah. Um, and every single hotel looks the same in that whole building. Um so you want it because you are it is a home so you want people to understand that it is someone's home that they love um and that they get to come and experience owning a home in a really cool area of the country um without having to have that second mortgage so you want to give them the experience that it's maybe their home Mm -hmm. um that and they can kind of dream for a weekend or a week I'll just add, you definitely don't want them to have like family pictures of themselves because, again, that that takes away from the experience the guest is going to have. Because I feel like when our guests walk in, they feel like it 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 is their home away from home, you know, whether it's a two day stay or a week or whatever. And if they saw pictures of us hiking or doing things around in the White Mountains, then they'd be like, oh, yeah, this isn't our house. You know, we're just renting it and we want we want to transform them into an experience of they that they are here at their home away from home and i think i think that's really important to stress if not obvious i don't know yeah tell me how a whole like we open the show with having your home tell a story how can you use this to help you set your house apart from other rentals in the area um i feel like that there's definitely a theme like every lake house has all the you know welcome to the lake and all the canoes and the boats and the Mm -hmm. you can get carried away with that and then if you look every house is exactly the same and no offense to that if you like it then that's great um and i guess the guest probably wouldn't notice it but me just um managing many houses i see the same artwork that we get and it's no offense like i said the local um art art store i forget what it's called um i see that same picture that they bought there in you know five different houses and that's fine and the guests probably would never never know that but do something that sets you apart that isn't just you know, the mountain theme and isn't just the ski theme and isn't, you know, that's, I still kept with the Nordic, you know, up in the mountains theme, but I kind of went a little more simplistic Mm -hmm. instead of doing all the same stuff that every other house has. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I like that you have in the two homes that you guys own is like simplistic theme stuff. So like your bed, spreads are plaid and that kind of goes with like the outdoorsy moose theme but you don't have a hundred stuffed moose everywhere in your house um and you don't have a moose on every single surface but we still got that idea that this is an outdoorsy town and you feel like rugged in this house even though it's super comfortable yeah and that's kind of what i try to do is you you want to you obviously don't want to take a mountain house and, you know, paint it fluorescent or not fluorescent, but pastel, um, you know, beach colors, because people are coming up here to feel like they're in the mountains. But you also can go overboard with that mountain decor. So Mm -hmm. a fine line between keeping with where you are, what region you're in, but not going overboard. Cause you can go overboard cause it is fun to buy all that cute stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you and I talking and I was just like, you know what? I don't want to put skis on the wall again, you know, cause <laughs> we did put skis on the wall at our first one and it looks cool. And not that it, 
don't think anyone walks in and like, oh God, another house with skis on the wall. But I really wanted to fight that instinct, you know, to kind of snowshoes or skis or a sled, you know, just over and over again, you know, and mm -hmm. I think what you did at this property and, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast, we're going to kind of go through some of the pictures on, on the site. And I would, if you're able to, if you're not driving your car, um, I would, I would recommend you kind of pull up the site and take a look at what we're talking about. Cause they're really amazing. And, um, you know, so to your, to your point, you, you fought that, you know, that instinct to kind of fall into the trap, like you just said, which is easy to do. Mm -hmm. So aside from art, what does every room need to have? Let's start with the bedroom. So it needs to have a bed, but it needs to have a comfortable bed. It, I know a lot of these second homes and a lot of them up here, you know, were built in the seventies. Um, and so some of them might actually have the original 1970s yeah. mattresses in them. Um, that's not great. Like if it's just for your own family to use and you don't mind, then that's one thing. But when you start asking people to pay you money to stay in your house, you need to upgrade these things. So you need to have a really comfortable mattress. Um, it doesn't have to be the most expensive mattress. I bought mine on Wayfair and it was the Wayfair brand and they're just memory foam mattresses, but I get a lot of compliments on them. Um, so a really good mattress, really good bedding that's comfortable and clean. And once again, not, not your old throwaways from your, from your house that you, you know, changed how you decorate your bedroom. So now that's just the old stuff that you threw into a closet mm -hmm. um, and not your kids old, you know, strawberry shortcake comforter that they outgrew 10 years ago. Um, Cause that's doesn't tell somebody that you care enough to buy a new comforter. And like I said, it doesn't have to be the most expensive comforter, but it needs to be, you know, clean and it needs to be relatively new as in like no rips or tears or stains or have an old you know mildewy smell to it because it's been stored away in your attic for five years um but so really comfortable bed because just think they don't know you and they don't know how clean you are and that you know you you swear you washed all these sheets and comforters but what they know is they're coming in to a place and are they going to feel comfortable climbing into your bed and having a great night's sleep? I think that we can't, that I can't stress what she's saying enough. Um, this is, this is absolutely critical to establishing yourself as a professional host, the bedding, the bed, the mattress, the pillows, how many pillows, um, like the comforters, everything matters when it comes to where people are putting their bodies, um, you know, they're laying down in that bed every night and it matters. And I, I can't, I just want to make sure that we're stressing it enough, how important it is. Cause again, it's not just one visit you're working for. It's every visit following that and every visit builds on each other. So I think that's critical. And the other thing I was thinking while you were talking, it's a little bit of a tangent is, you know, we've, we've done walkthroughs. We don't take on a property anymore unless we walk through it. And we've had to have very difficult conversations with owners, but I like that we do this because it really kind of sets the tone for the relationship. And I don't mean like, you know, like in a, in a kind of a friendship way, but in a, in a, in a place of like, are they going to step up and do what's right? and treat this like a business or are they, or are they just gonna, you, you know, are, are they not going to get it? And, you know, to Julia's point about grandma's comforters, you know, we've taken over properties that have been, you know, in the business for five years have done really well. And there's betting that quite honestly need to be retired. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, I just wanted to to, to kind of emphasize that. I know you're going to move on to the other stuff that we need in the bedroom, but I just feel like what you were saying is just spot on and very important. Yeah, because um, we have had fights with potential owners and actual owners that we've taken on that they don't want to spend the money, but 
it is, it is an investment. I mean, you're trying to make money off of a house. Um, so I don't know of any business where you don't have to invest anything into it, um, to get started. So it's not, I mean, it's, no one loves to just go and spend hundreds of dollars on new bedding when they, in their mind, maybe think that it's acceptable, it's clean, but people don't like, I've seen some really bad pillows, like pillows that are so flat and really stained and, and the owners think that that's okay. And it's just really not okay because people are putting their heads on that and they're sleeping. It's a very intimate thing. So Plus, like, think about all the times you stayed in a hotel and how uncomfortable the mattresses are, how scratchy the bedding is, how, like, weirdly shaped the pillows are. People are staying in Airbnbs specifically so that they can have that experience um, of being in a home. So if you have just, like, garbage mattresses. You're castaway, yeah. Yeah. Your old castaways. People are going to be like, why am I spending more money than I might be on a hotel room? For like the same quality stuff yeah and, you know it and again we list on multiple platforms but airbnb really changed the game right so awesome. back in the day you awesome. you know cape cod massachusetts you could you you know if you were to stay there they would tell you would have to bring your own linens and, and your own towels and your own towels and everything so and never mind shampoo body wash and all that stuff but when airbnb came into into the world basically everything changed and, and the standards changed. And now we are competing against hotels, you know, in, in a sense, like they expect everything that we're talking about and some. Right. And a bed and breakfast also more specifically, and think about bed and breakfasts are known for, you know, being really comfortable and they have, you know, nice comforters and fluffy pillows and, that's what we're competing with. So gone are the days of, you know, someone walks in and they just have empty mattresses and you have to bring all your own bedding and everything. Um, those days are long gone. So people that maybe are still stuck in that era, it, it takes a little, you know, prodding to get them to move, but they have to, otherwise they're not going to be successful. So what's next? So okay, so bed. We got the bed covered. Bed's covered. Um, they need something that they can put their clothes in. It doesn't have to be a huge amount because, I mean, I know I personally don't unpack my stuff. Pete always unpacks his stuff, um, but I have a luggage stand, like a little luggage rack, so I can put my suitcase on it and live out of my suitcase. Um, but I also make sure each one of my bedrooms has drawers of some sort. It doesn't have to be a huge amount. Um, one of my bedrooms did not have a lot of room for like dressers. So I got a little bit oversized nightstands that have um, three drawers each in them. So each person has three drawers, plus there's hanging space in the closet. But drawers, I think, is important. Um, and then not as important so some some rooms don't have a closet, which I think that's fine as long as there's a dresser where they can put their stuff away um, that they have that. But nightstands, you wouldn't think that nightstands are important, but I think they're extremely important. Yeah. Nightstands and a lamp because we stayed at an Airbnb that didn't have nightstands in any of the bedrooms or lamps next to the bed in any of the bedrooms. And I found it extremely annoying because first of all, I couldn't put my phone anywhere. Like at night when I plug my phone in, I had no place to put it. It was literally on the floor. Um, I also read when I go to bed and I had no light and I had no place to put a book. So I had to, basically I put my flashlight on my phone and it was really not fun. And I said to myself, I will never have another property that doesn't have nightstands with lamps on them because it's really important. Is a headboard important? I don't think a headboard's important at all. I think as long as you have a good mattress and really good bedding, no one, no one's going to miss your headboard. Hmm. Is that it for the bedroom? Um, I think so. All right, let's move on to the bathroom. Um, not, 
as much important stuff in there. We do supply um, body wash and shampoo and conditioner um, just because I feel like people might forget it or they just don't, they're just too lazy to go get it out of their suitcase. So it's already in the, the shower. Um, so we just have body wash, shampoo, conditioner, um, obviously hand soap on the sink and then backup toilet paper. What about like a bath mat? Oh yeah. I forgot about that, Hannah. Good one. Yes. A bath mat. Um, and I have several bath mats so that in between guests I can wash them. And so each, each set of guests should have a fresh bath mat. And we have obviously a trash can, um, and hand towels. Let's talk about towels altogether. How many, like what towels do you supply for the guests? So we give each guest um, one bath towel, one washcloth, um, and then in each bathroom, I put usually two hand towels. So you don't need a hand towel for each guest. That's just my personal preference. Um, but every guest gets one bath towel, one washcloth. And for us, we always recommend not leaving extra towels out because you have a theory that if it's out, the guests will use every single one, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, as far as like having an owner's closet, sometimes either there is no locked owner's closet or it's not big enough. Um, So I have no problem leaving all the sheets out somewhere because no one will ever remake their bed. Um, but if they have access to a towel, they, they will use every single towel they can get their hands on. It's weird, but it's true. (laughs) Could you kind of take our listeners through what an owner's closet is, what it means? Cause I don't, you know, if you're brand new to doing this, you might not have any idea what that is. Sure. So an owner's closet is any sort of locked space. It could be down in the basement. It could be wherever you can find a little closet that you can put a lock on. Um, and it's for basically the cleaners um, where you can put all the, cause I, I we require of our, um, of our owners to have two sets of everything so that um, if it's not possible to do laundry on site, we can simply um, switch out. So we take the dirty stuff out and we take the clean stuff out of the closet and then, you know, we just keep trading them out. So you need to have space for your backup towels and well, your second set of towels and your second set of um, all your sheets and comforters and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also fill it with any supplies you might need. So cleaning supplies are all kept in the closet, um, toilet paper, paper towels, because just like the towels, if the toilet paper is out, they will take it. They don't use it all, but they will take it. Paper towels too. So we just put, you know, usually one backup roll of paper of toilet paper and like one backup roll of paper towels. But it's good to have all that stuff um, kept on site for the cleaners. So they have, they can just refill the toilet paper and the paper towels. And I keep um, like hand soap um, refill and dish detergent and all that kind of stuff that you might need um, to just refill everything in the house. So it's really useful to have a lock closet so you don't have to constantly be carrying it around with you. All right, let's move on to the living room. What do we need in a living room? Um, so you need to have enough seating for the amount of people that you're sleeping in your house. Um, you don't want to say your house can sleep 20 and then just have one couch that, you know, sits three people. Um, so you have to be thoughtful about that stuff when you're planning out how many people you want to accommodate. Um, is there, if they're going to watch a movie at night, is there a spot for everyone to sit? Um, I even in, in that house that we were talking about, um, I went and bought, cause the, the living room is kind of small. So I do have a couch and a love seat, but I don't have any other chairs. So I went and bought, um, some floor pillows that I keep in a basket. So if you have kids or, um, I even envisioned them, you know, like playing a game on the coffee table. So they need a comfy place to sit. So I went and bought some, um, floor pillows just as extra seating, Um, so basically just comfortable seating, um, definitely a coffee table or end tables. People need to, they want to sit down and be able to put their coffee cup on something. Um, 
a television is not not a necessity it i feel like people are getting too attached to television now mm-hmm. um we actually don't have tvs in any of our bedrooms in any of our houses um we just have one in the living room because we would like to promote people you know unplugging yeah and where we are the like main activity is just being outdoors hiking and skiing and all that so People aren't coming on vacation to watch TV all day. They're coming on vacation to be outside where we are, at least. A couple thoughts going through my head just about this kind of topic for the living room is the furniture. And I think something Julia taught me when when she was doing this house was the furniture needs to fit in the space, right? I remember like I was thinking like, oh, we could have this big wraparound Giant sectional. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember like, we like taped it all out on the floor and made sure like, all right, this is where it's going to be. And really had, we put a lot of thought behind how that was going to look and feel. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, I mean, a lot of the houses up here are their second homes, their vacation homes. So um, they're not huge. So you don't want to try and pack gigantic furniture into a small space. Cause then it, then you, you know, it's just not comfortable because then you get 10 people inside this small space and then it's just you know suffocating so just think about the scale of your furniture and buy thoughtful pieces instead of just cramming it full of stuff just really pick and choose what you need and what would fit yeah and to that point i think extending that thought out to if the property should sleep eight don't try to sleep 12. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because can... you have three bedrooms doesn't mean it needs to sleep. A yeah. You people. don't, you don't need, you don't need four beds in every bedroom. Cause then I think again, that goes back to old school rentals of old school was, you know, everyone brought their, all their own sheets and blankets and towels and you, you slept 10 people to a room. Yeah, I'm thinking about the property that we actually decided not to take. You know, I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's funny because we had actually looked at the house when it was for sale and we almost bought it. And then at the last minute kind of decided not to. But so funny because somebody did buy it and then contacted us to manage it for them. Um, So I knew what the house looked like already. And then when I walked in and saw what they had done to it, I was really upset actually because the house was super cute. And then they, um, and it was, it's a tiny house. It only has two really small bedrooms in the lower like basement level. Um, and then it had one loft, like open loft bedroom. Um, and they ended up cramming it exactly what we were talking about. Uh, they crammed really big beds into tiny bedrooms and then tried putting several bunk beds also into a tiny space and they were trying to sleep I forget what it was one two three four five six seven eight nine ten i think they were trying to sleep 12 people in a tiny little in a tiny little house um and they did also put a gigantic table like a dining room table that sl- that sat 12 in a tiny space where you could barely get to the stairs um, because the table was in the way. And then on top of that, they took, they bought, I think the biggest sectional couch I've ever seen and crammed that up against the dining room table. Um, (laughs) And it just, it was horrible. I didn't, they had, they took a really cute house that could have probably gotten away with sleeping six comfortably um, and they just tried to jam it full of furniture and cram as many people in it as they could. And it just ruined the house. Yeah, just because you like my thought, I guess, is money doesn't really correlate with the number of people your house can sleep. You can still have a high end house that only sleeps six people that makes just as much money as a house that sleeps 12 people, but your guests are feeling more comfortable. So don't think that like, oh, I have a small house. I'm not going to profit. I need to cram as many beds in here as possible. 
um, because it's simply not the case. If the house is small and there's only one bathroom, 12 people in the house is not, it's not gonna be a good situation. Yeah, and I'll say, I have proof to that. I can I can prove what Hannah just said to be true. I've I've seen a house this this past October that sleep six outperform houses that sleep 10 and 12. And it was their rate nightly was a little bit lower than those other houses, but their occupancy was so much higher that they outperformed everyone else in the market that we have. And the other thing I would say is I think maybe short term you could out earn someone else by cramming a lot of people in, into your property maybe but if our our mindset is this is a marathon not a sprint and we're trying to build a business long term over time your property is going to get damaged you're going to end up being uh, labeled as a party house you're going to upset neighbors and you, you, your guests are not going to come back because they're not going to you're not going to get the good value scores because people will go there and be like, there's only one bathroom for 12 people. And I'm in a bunk room that's on top of a couch that's on top of where they're going to watch TV. All of those things are going to cause people not to come back. So you're going to maybe out book at the beginning and or out earn at the beginning. But over time, your occupancy is going to drop dramatically and your earnings are going to drop too and your wear and tear is going to be up so you're going to have to spend money on repairs and maintenance and all that stuff so there's a lot that go into it other than just how many people you put into a place to earn money yeah and if you think about who's traveling and who's staying in these vacation rentals um if you your goal is to have families your average family size is probably like what six at most eight maybe um, if you have a large family, um, there's no family that has 12 people in it unless you're inviting everyone like from grandparents, aunts and uncles, which if they are, there are houses out there that are built for that. There are houses that are really, really large and they probably already have the intention of finding a house that's a really large house. But if you have just a family with, you know, the kids and everyone, that's probably not going to, they're not going to need 20 beds. That's just ridiculous. Hey, I'm just, I just pulled up some stats because I, I have stats on our software program. And for the last 30 days, it tells us how many reservations we've had, how many check-ins, how much, all that good stuff. Yeah. But to your point, our average number of guests are 5.3. Yeah. See, you don't need a house that has 12 beds for the most part, unless your house can fit 12 beds. Right. Unless you have a five bedroom or six bedroom house. Yeah. yeah again, I don't think it's uh, that we're... That we're, we're, go, we're, we're going out there and telling you don't buy a house that can sleep 12. What we're saying is if your house should only sleep six, don't have it sleep 12. Right. Yeah. All right. We got on a bit of a tangent there. Um, <laughs> moving on from the like living area space to the kitchen. And again, it's the kitchen dining room, but again, it's the seating. I always make sure that if you're sleeping six people, you have a place for six people to sit and eat dinner or breakfast. Um, and then having enough sets of plates and everything. Yeah. Too. And you don't have to go out um, for actually well, for the one for one of our houses. I took an old and this again, you, you can do this. You cannot do it with bedding, but you can do it with kitchen stuff. Um, I took an old set of dishes that I had and that's what I used for my dishes. Um, so you don't have to break the bank with that stuff. Um, at one of my other houses, I have all white dishes, which I highly recommend because I went around to different, um, used like secondhand stores. And if you can find white, it doesn't matter what the pad, like what either shape it is. I have some that are square, some that have um, like patterns on them and stuff, but they're all white. So if something gets broken, all I have to do is find a white dish to replace it. Um, and it doesn't have to match the rest of them. So that actually, That's a good tip. yeah, that I thought, was awesome because I spent very little money on the dishes at that house. And like I said, I don't worry about if something breaks, if like finding this same exact matching dish, um, as long as they're all white, it doesn't matter. Um, but so, but you have to make sure you have enough dishes. I like to have, like if your house sleeps six, I don't think you should have just six plates. I think you should have, I don't know if you need double, but 
you know, you have breakfast and then maybe you have lunch. So you don't want to be like, oh, I can't eat lunch because we ate breakfast and all of our dishes are in the dishwasher. Um, but just, I mean, maybe even having 10 would be good or um, you just want to have a good amount where they don't feel like after every single meal, they have to wash all the dishes right away because they don't have any dishes left. Um, I also highly recommend having a set of plastic dishes um, that can go in the dishwasher. And I don't mean like plastic throwaway dishes, but I mean like for kids, um, we do get a lot of families and some of them have small children and they really appreciate having non-breakable and child size um, dishes like plates and bowls. And I also have a lot of plastic cups for kids to use. Um, I also have a lot of plastic, like nice plastic glassware for adults to use because I do feel like accidents happen and I get wine glasses that break and, you know, other glasses and it's not done on purpose. Um, it's just accidents that happen. But if you buy nice high-end plastic stuff that they have nowadays that can go in the dishwasher. Um, that really helps cut down on having to buy more stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Is there any space that we haven't talked about yet? Um, well, like pots and pans, I would just think make sure you have enough to cook a meal. Like if you can spend a weekend at your house and prepare meals, then I think you're good. But just to make sure you have, and that, and that they're in good shape. A lot of times the Teflon gets scratched off and Mm -hmm. When that happens, it is time to replace it. So just making sure you have enough pots and pans and maybe muffin tins and stuff like that. Coffee maker, um, a tea kettle, cutting boards, obviously, some good knives, <clears throat> um, basics. Crock, crock pot. I do like to have a crock pot in each one of our houses because I like to use my crock pot. Um, stuff for leftovers? Yeah, oh, yeah. Tupperware. Like yeah. You know, one of the thoughts I'm having, I'll probably take us on another tangent. <laughs> I'm going to change my name to that. Uh, is is the conversation we were kind of having on our hike today was it's amazing to me how many people and maybe because we're a drive to destination um, where people are coming from Boston, New York and all, all, you know, and can get here in a car. It's amazing to me how many meals people cook in our houses. Mm-hmm. So to Julia's point, you know, like. You really, you know, wine opener, all, all, all the things that you can think about, salt, pepper, spices, you know, we provide that. Um, we don't have condiments or anything that can kind of go bad. We, we don't like doing that. But uh, anything that you could think of that, that goes into making it easy for them to prepare a meal for their family. I think, I think it's uh, really important for us anyway. Mm-hmm. Anything to add? No. No. Okay. All right. So I think that brings us through the entire house. Obviously, if there are like extra rooms, they shouldn't just be empty. Fill the rooms with like seating and stuff. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with like kind of telling a story with your house decor before we move on to the last question? Um, Just, I mean, when you decorate your house, you are definitely making a statement and not really a statement, but a feeling. Mm -hmm. So what kind of feeling do you want people to have when they walk in your house? I like that. Yeah, that's good. It doesn't have to be out of a magazine. You don't have to be a professional decorator. Um, But do you want them to feel welcome and comfortable and that they can come and sit on the couch and not worry about because you can go both directions you can have a really old ratty couch where people don't really even want to sit on it or you can have a super high-end expensive furniture that people are afraid to sit on or afraid that their kid might spill on it or you know not comfortable yeah I'm just looking at the first picture on our site, you know, and one thing up here for us, there's a lot of natural wood, right? There's a lot of, you know, wood ceilings and beams. And I think one thing that you've done is use rugs, pillows, blankets to pop the color and kind of kept the walls neutral. 
Yeah, well, that was that's the design that that Scandinavian. That's their philosophy. So all of my walls are just a light gray, um, which that was purposeful. When we bought the house, um, and it is a mountain chalet, which is back to what I was saying before about keeping the theme of kind of where you are. Um, they had some really crazy colors going on. They had like raspberry in the kitchen. They had like sherbet orange or creamsicle orange in the bathroom. They had just really crazy colors going on. Um, so I just, and it's a really, really small house too. Like I said, it's not very big and it's pretty much the main floor is just all one room. So a way to kind of make it seem a little bit bigger and a little more cohesive. Um, I just painted everything a light gray. Um, and then my other color, if you remember, was blue. So everything's pretty much navy blue. So my furniture is dark gray and then, but my rugs are all blue. My artwork is all blue. My, you know, my blankets that I actually put handmade blankets um, that I made in the house, which is kind of, it's a way to give someone the feeling that it is my home and that's a part of my personality um, without, you know, having my picture hanging on the wall kind of thing. So, you know, people feel welcomed and like you're visiting your friend's house um, with the homemade blankets mm -hmm. um, without being in your face. But yeah, I kept the colors really simple to try to let, you know, more of the house speak than of my stuff. I love that. So let's kind of just have a quick discussion about where you should be spending money and where you don't really need to spend money. Um, I have had new clients that have bought a house and, you know, it obviously needs a lot of updating because like I said, a lot of these houses are built in the sixties and seventies. Um, and I had people ask me, you know, the bathroom's kind of small. Do I need to extend the bathroom and do I need to do all this, you know, work and, my answer is no, like people aren't living in it full time. They're here on vacation. So the size of the bathroom, I don't think is a deal breaker. What is a deal breaker is if the bathroom is clean and the fixtures are up to date um, and people aren't afraid to go into your shower to take a shower. <laughs> um, so obviously a fresh coat of paint is always the best thing to do because paint is not very expensive and it makes a huge difference as far as how bright the space is and as far as how clean it feels. Um, flooring, if it's really yucky old carpet, obviously I would spend money on new carpet or new flooring of some sort. Um, the new luxury vinyl tile is amazing because especially for a rental, um, it's indestructible and it looks nice and it's pretty easy to install and not that expensive. Um, so I would focus on those things, flooring and your paint color. And obviously if your kitchen is really outdated, I would probably get, you know, it depends on how much outdated it is, but definitely new appliances are always good. And some sort of a countertop is always a good call. Um, but like I said, it doesn't have to be out of a magazine. It doesn't have to be, you know, a hundred percent, you know, ripped down to the studs and rebuilt because people really like the old character. A yeah, they like the character. They like the A-frames and they like the chalets and, you know, they understand that they were built in the 60s and 70s and as long as it still doesn't have the original orange shag carpet, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, paint is always my best friend. I always try to paint first and then if that doesn't help, then I, you know, move on to plan B, but. Awesome. Anything to add, Father? No, I mean, I think some of the other things that she did that were really special was just buying, like, I don't think you broke the bank on art, but like you bought from Wafer, I think mostly. And what, Amazon. And Amazon, where they're like really cool, kind of eclectic looking, but still mountainy pictures, you know? Mm -hmm. And you kind of group them together in certain bedrooms. And I know we bought like a kind of a cool antler you know, light fixture. Yeah. So we did, I, we were trying to stay away from all like the really obvious mountainy stuff and the antlers can kind of get a little too much, but I did kind of splurge 
in one bedroom I put, cause it's a, it's the loft bedroom. So it has like a big vaulted ceiling. Um, and it had a chandelier hanging down and I thought, all right, I'm just going to do one antler chandelier and that's all I'm going to have in the whole house. But that's really all that bedroom is very simple. There's really not a lot in it. Um, so it just basically you walk up the stairs and you open the door and there's the antler chandelier. And that's the first thing you see. And I kind of don't have a lot of other stuff going on in that room. So that's like the star of the show. And I feel like it works. And it was like my one little, my one little throwback to the typical antler stuff. One, yeah, I like that. One thing I just remembered that we did that I totally forgot was we painted oh yeah we painted the basement ceiling there was an acoustic which was drop finished ceiling. an acoustic drop ceiling that everyone's probably seen a million times and for the for we were and like it was bad it was bad it was really like yellow it was gross yeah. and we were debating on like gosh do we just take this whole thing down do we what do we do and you i think you came up with this great I idea did. because okay let's so let's go back to the timeline that pete gave me so we closed on this house on December 20th. And he told me that he wanted it listed to capture the month of February, which up here we have February vacation and it's still like, you know, peak ski season. So he basically gave me one month to completely paint, paint everything and decorate and completely furnish and all the bedding and everything he gave me one month to do this that seems so reasonable to me <laughs> i don't it? understand like one month <laughs> if i didn't set a deadline we we would probably still be working on it so one month we had so he kept coming up with all this stuff and he and then he we kept looking at the ceiling and i was stressed and literally like because i remember too i was waiting some of my furniture couldn't get delivered because like I said, we the house is like halfway up the side of a mountain. So it snowed on the day of the delivery and they couldn't get up to my house. So I had to reschedule it and they only come out to that area like every six weeks or something like that. So I was scared that we had someone, like we had taken pictures without the furniture, I think. And then we actually had it booked and I was worried that we wouldn't have couches to sit on. So I was stressed about that. And then we were down in the basement, like we said, it's finished and it had, you know, an, a drop ceiling, which was ugly. And do we have enough time to rip down this whole ceiling and to put a new ceiling up? We just absolutely do not have time. So I don't even know how I spend a lot of time on Pinterest, unfortunately. And I remember them painting, like taking an unfinished basement that they had no ceiling and to cover all the pipes and all the vents and everything, they simply just painted it black. So it kind of disappeared. Um, and I thought about all the restaurants we've ever been in and we come from the restaurant business and the ceilings, they just paint them black. So you don't see all the mechanical stuff up there. Um, so I suddenly was like, huh, can we just paint it black? And would that be horrible? And would it feel like the ceiling was falling in on us? And would it make it seem like a cave down there? And I had no idea. And then I was like, can you even paint those acoustic tiles? So then I did all the research about, can you even paint it? And there's different schools of thought on that too. Some people were like, no, some people <laughs> said yes. So it was a, it was a 100%, a, I have no idea if this is going to work kind of thing. And I said it to Pete and he said, I don't know, I think you're crazy. And I said, well, what do we have to lose? So we just started painting the ceiling black and it took a really long time. It took many, many coats of paint. We kept having to go back to the local hardware store and the guy was kind of like, why do you need all this black paint? And he thought we were crazy. And then, then realizing also that you can't just paint the tiles. You also have to paint the cross things. And then you also have to paint the the can recess lights because that then they were suddenly bright white in our black ceiling. And once you paint it, once you take it down and paint it with a roller, once you put it up, you can see inside all the little nooks and crannies. So I had to go buy black spray paint and then go back over once they were put in place. I had to go back over all the little white spots. Wow. Yeah. So that was really stressful. I didn't know if it was going to work. And I didn't know if we had literally just ruined the house that we were already had people coming 
to rent and we probably might have just ruined it but somehow it worked out and it actually looks really good <laughs> came out amazing and um was very inexpensive because we did it ourselves and it was just paint exactly lots and lots of black paint and we could have fixed it if we had to but that was an awesome move and a great decision awesome all right so we're about ready to finish this episode so we just wanted to leave you on this note when you are getting your house ready for guests to stay in think about the feeling you want them to have when they're staying in the house think about who you want your guests to be are they a family are they a couple are they friends and think about the overall experience you want them to have when you have when you design the house with the guest in mind it shows and that's one of the best ways to get a five-star review Anything you all want to add? Um, invest in your linens. <laughs> yes, that's ex so important. <laughs> I think you said it better than I can say it. Great job. Awesome. So we actually have a promotion going on on our website right now. If you go to superhost.com or superhostunveiled.com, there's a little button that says review my listing, my vacation rental listing. And if you submit a form to us, we will actually review your vacation rental listing on air and we will let you know our opinion and things you should improve on. So don't wait on this. It'll be great to get a second set of eyes on your listing so that you can be successful because we want you to be successful. Um, and with that, we wanted to thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Superhost Unveiled podcast. Once again, we're hoping that you are left feeling inspired and ready to dive into the world of vacation rentals. Make sure you come visit us at on Instagram. We're at Superhost Unveiled. And if you tag us in a story of you listening to our podcast, we will feature you on our Instagram. Of course, please, please, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast with a friend to help our podcast grow. Until next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.